I think it's important people don't listen to this and say, ah, you know what, this stuff won't apply to us. We're too dysfunctional. We're terrible at communicating. The reality is if you put in the work and the effort, the methods that you'll, you know, hopefully learn here today and the methods that you'll learn in following podcasts or some of the other information we'll share can and do work. Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello and thanks for joining us today. Family meetings are a great way to improve communication among your loved ones, but how do you set up and run one that's productive? In this second part of a two-part episode, Ruth Steverlink and Paula Tia carry on the conversation with suggestions for how to pull off a good family meeting, one that keeps everyone engaged and, most importantly, excited for the next one. Ruth Steverlink is a principal and co-founder of Your Family Enterprise Advisors, Inc. and is based in Vancouver. Paula Tia is a family enterprise advisor and coach, as well as a family business owner and is based in Toronto. Well, hi, Paul. Welcome back. It's lovely to see you again. Um, we met a little while ago to talk about um, why family meetings are important in the wealth landscape. And it was very well received. And what we want to do today is dig a little bit deeper into practical ways to help families that are listening to this podcast have good family meetings. Because I don't know about you, Paul, but I've had experiences where uh, families have told me, you know, the last family meeting we had ended in a disaster. It was horrible and painful. We never want to go through that again. And when I've explored what's actually happened at that meeting, there's been a number of things that they didn't pay attention to that had they paid attention to might have prevented such an uncomfortable and frankly unpleasant experience. So um, let's start with, we touched on this the last time we spoke on inclusion, who to include. And I think where we landed with that was it really depends on what the purpose of the meeting is. And one of the things we didn't talk about, but I think that's really important, is the risks of not including certain family members. So really, there's no cookie cutter approach. The family just has to determine for themselves for this particular meeting who are the appropriate people within the family to invite. What else is important for families to consider? So they've they've defined that they want to improve their communication decision-making, they want to come together, they've identified who's going to be included. What else should family members be thinking about as they plan a good family meeting? Yeah, I, I think there's a host of things to, to think about. And I think even before I delve into that, I, I think the first thing that I'd want to say to any family that's listening right now, and I'm speaking now you know, in a somewhat intimate fashion about my own family, my own family experience, is that every single family out there is capable of doing this. I really, really uh, believe that. Even the most dysfunctional? Even the most dysfunctional. <laughs> no, the, the, the reality is that it's like anything else. It's, it's kind of like, is anyone you know capable of a, a accomplishing a, a certain thing? It's like, yeah, for some people, it just requires a lot more work and a lot more effort. So that's that's the reality. But everyone is capable of having a family meeting and working on this. And I, you know, I have no problems using my own family as an example. We are a very, very tight-knit family. I'm extremely close to my brother and my sister and my parents, and we get along very well. But um, we're, we're kind of have, we, we kind of have that, that sort of classic immigrant um, communication pattern that we grew up where we're, none of us are shy at the dinner table 
We're all ready to cut each other off on anything that we're talking about. We're all very strongly opinionated. And if we're having a discussion about where to go for lunch, it turns into a full-on debate. Now, that really helped me a lot when I became a criminal prosecutor because I was unafraid of intense conversations. I was unafraid to cross-examine people and ask tough questions. And my brother and my sister are the same way. But it was not helpful for us as a family when it came to trying to make important decisions about our family business. It was really tough because we couldn't communicate well. Family meetings, in a lot of ways, gave us that forum to be able to do it. And if we were able to do it with some, I think, quite suboptimal communication patterns as a family, I think many other families can. So I think it's important people don't listen to this and say, ah, you know what, this stuff won't apply to us. We're too dysfunctional. We're terrible at communicating. The reality is if you put in the work and the effort, the methods that you'll you know, hopefully learn here today and the methods that you'll learn in following podcasts or some of the other information we'll share can and do work. And it's so interesting that you say that because – in my experience, people are very willing to put effort and intention into tangible stuff like the assets that they own, the properties that they own, the businesses that they own. But when it comes to often what matters to them most, their families, they're not willing to invest the time and effort to make a family meeting that maybe hasn't gone so well, turn it around and get the next one going a little bit better. Because as you alluded to, it does take some intentional effort and work to make family meetings go well. So yes, let's yeah. let's talk about some of the key considerations beyond who to invite that might help make that meeting go a little bit better. Sure. Yeah, let's and, and I just I, I do want to just spend one moment before we delve into that on what you just talked about, which is this idea of like the time we put into it. I often believe, you know, people people will say, well my value is A, my value is B. I say don't don't tell me what your values are. Tell me what you did today. And then we'll be able to figure out what your values are, right? And so everyone will say, family is my highest value. It's rare to meet someone who wouldn't say that. And yet, if we look at how we spend our days and where we put our energy and our effort, very rarely is it manifested out in in, in reality, right? There's 168 hours in the week. How many of those 168 hours do we actually spend on developing, you know, growth and progression and closeness and intimacy and all these different things, strong relationships in our family, yet we say it's our highest value. And so that's not me saying that in a judgmental way. I, I fail at that all the time. Call my wife, call any of my five kids, and they'll tell you that I do. The reality is I think it's just important as we talk about family meetings to say, if it really matters to you, let's put the time and let's put the effort in. Let's be patient with it, but let's be deliberate about it because we've got the chance. So so let's let's go in then to, to answer your question on some of the more practical things. Maybe let's start do. with location. Like, right. So is the family home or the... Um, the boardroom of the business, are they optimal locations? Right, so I, so I actually think a neutral location serves the family best. What why you're why to do you say that? Because as we talked about in the last, uh, last meeting or last interview we had, there's a whole bunch of family patterns that have existed for a long time. And I think the location in a lot of ways creates that. So you're mm-hmm. sitting in the family home or you're sitting in the business. It may, it may create an atmosphere that's less neutral. So pick a neutral location. And pick somewhere that's quiet and pick somewhere where you can be alone. So don't go to a restaurant. Don't go and have Yeah, because restaurants somewhere. are loud. Yeah. It's loud. Don't sit in a coffee shop. You know, there's lots of rent a boardroom, call a hotel, call an office nearby. There's off, always office space available for rent somewhere. I also find um, if there's lots of fresh air, an opportunity to get outside, good food, yes. <laughs> that that can also be helpful to creating an atmosphere that's really conducive to having 
good conversations with your family members. Totally. And so for yeah. the Toronto audience, I actually host a lot of family meetings with families that I work with at the Cambridge Center. So it's just, it's an example and there's lots right. of other places like this, but it's actually a retreat. You can grab lunch there. There's a gym. You can hike. The meeting spaces are beautiful. Lots of natural light. Beautiful. So just, just pick a spot that's in a location. It, the, the, real, the real kicker here is a spot at which you would want to go to. Mm. And that's neutral where everyone is happy to arrive. Yeah. And at the very least, give thought to where the location should be, not just right. automatically choosing right. your family home or right. your portable the, And the next thing that ties into that is um, create an atmosphere where there's no opportunity for distractions. So if you do it at the business, there will always be an opportunity for a distraction, right? right. Someone can come in and be like, Even hey. the family home. That's the right. phone the goes, the doorbell home, rings. Exactly. The, right? Yeah. So there's always an opportunity um, for a distraction in your home and in your business. So avoid those. On the distraction front, um, I suggest, and many other families have found success in this, a no-tech rule, right? And so, look. Just, no technology? Yeah, that's right. So, take your phones away. You know, wow, just, just that's I know, hard for some people. <laughs> how difficult is it? It's, I know we're all so important that we need to be reached 24 hours a day. But it really goes to that intentionality, right? We want to be present and focused in the time that we have together. Right. We're going to dedicate that, invest that energy to being together in a present Manner. Totally. And you don't need to get off the grid for eight hours at a time. It's mm -hmm. a normal meeting. Let's assume we're going to meet for two or three hours. We'll turn our phones off. We'll take as many breaks as we need to take. And yeah, because we'll some people back. have young kids and sure. they need to check You can phone. go back and do that. Okay. But, but the reason why that's important in a family meeting, I think everyone would say that's important in all meetings, but it's important in a family one because you're going to touch upon things in a family meeting that you'll be sensitive to. And I think it's human nature that as soon as you feel mildly upset or offended or unheard, we want to get away. We want to escape. And if you're trapped in a room, where do we escape to? We escape right. to our cell phones. So just take them away. It allows people to stay engaged. And one of the most important principles that I've ever heard, and I think I, I learned this from uh, Mike McGran, who said, you know, a family's propensity for success is directly correlated to their capacity to stay in the room. If you are willing right. to stay in the room, your chance of success will increase. So let's, um, let's, Explore that a little bit. So one of the things that we talked about in our first time together was the importance of uh, communication and how families have patterns of communication that might be really healthy and sometimes not so healthy. So how do we as to get these family meetings off to a good start? Do you have any tips or tools that families can draw upon to help really ensure that the communication is effective, that people do stay in the room? Right. What would you recommend? Yeah. So I think one of the first things is you have to get buy-in from everybody. It can't be Paul's meeting or Ruth's meeting or, you know, dad's the one forcing us to do this, whatever the case may be. You need to get buy-in and engagement. So that would involve going to all the people that are going to be invited to the family meeting and asking them what their hopes are and what they want to cover. And Absolutely. Right. If you're going to try to set up your first meeting, call everyone. Right in advance, say hi. I'd like you know. I think I think I'd like to do a family meeting. What do you think of that? You know, if they want an intro to the concept, help explain it to them. Send them resources, whatever the case may be. Get by and say I think it'd be a good idea for our family to do this. What do you think? And then ask them what would you like to see this family meeting look like? Right. So get by from everyone on how you're going to, I guess, conduct yourselves or what your agenda is going to be in the meeting. You want everyone showing up at that meeting saying, Yeah, I, I'd like to be here. I feel involved and. What's really cool about that is you will find that a lot of people who may not be directly involved in decision-making right now, and, and this happens in all families, right? Every family has dominance hierarchies 
in different sects of how we govern our family, right? So if you think about it, there might be one family member who seems to have a louder voice on topic A and another family member who has a louder voice on topic B, right? We all kind of fall into these patterns over the course of our lives. It's very nice to get all the people kind of buying into the meeting and saying, yeah, these are some things I'd like to see occur in our meeting. I really love that because it sets that tone right from the outset that everybody's voice is important, everybody's included, even the youngest to the eldest. Right. I really like that. So you, you touched on agenda. Um, so are you honestly suggesting that family meetings have an agenda? Is I know. That, it, sound, it sounds crazy, That sounds right? very formal. <laughs> it, it does. And yet formality, and I think we touched upon this in our last podcast, uh, formality is your friend. People do, and families in particular, do really well with an agenda because it holds, I was about to say it holds our feet to the fire. It really holds us to the process. We have agreed, you know, this is, we agree to this agenda. This is not one person's agenda. This is everyone's agenda. This is the family agenda for the family meeting. And we've picked these items and don't go crazy with your first one. You are not going to solve all of the, you know, the universe's mysteries in your very first family meeting. I think I used uh, in our last podcast, the analogy of learning how to climb before you start summoning Everest. Spend as much time as you need to on learning how to climb. Because if you start trying to climb that mountain too early, it'll hurt. And so spend a lot of time. And so, so yes, yeah, so set an agenda. So a little simple agenda can, can look like this. Like here's a practical takeaway. Um, you've got your neutral location. You've turned off your cell phones. You've prepared an agenda. Circulate it in advance. And, you know, opening, you know, item number one on agenda can simply be a, an icebreaker. You can literally, these are easy to find. You can literally pick a question to go around the room and have everyone Do you have a favorite one? Uh, no, I actually really like the fact that you can kind of change them up all the time. So, I mean, you can do sort of classic boardroom meeting stuff, which is, you know, in a word, tell me how you are. You can do something a bit more in depth, like what are your expectations for today or how are you feeling about today? I've done this in my own family and I've done it with other families that I've worked with. So very often you'll feel great you'll, or you'll feel anxious or hopeful right. or scared, but it's a nice way to take the temperature of the room. Um, I've done ones where I've picked something sentimental and I've opened up a meeting with that. So, hey, let's chat about uh, what's your favorite memory involving the grandkids in the past year, right? I was in a meeting once with David Bentel. David Bentel turned and said, tell me your favorite story involving an animal. I mean, completely, completely unrelated right. to family business and, and, and the purpose of this is what to get everyone talking, to create some vulnerability. Totally. Yeah. You can cover all that. And so, yeah, a purpose of that is we've just practiced listening. We've now learned to sit in a room right. as a family and we've just learned to listen. And, I and know it's that not sounds, just dad talking. Totally. We've just, <laughs> or mom to, talking. we've just learned to listen. We've also started a conversation. People naturally relax when you're talking about a non-contentious issue, particularly if you're walking into a meeting in which you may have a preconceived notion of contention being on the horizon. Suddenly it's like, ah, oh, we're talking about my favorite story at a zoo or we're talking about my favorite fun memory of a kid. Right. I love that. Yeah. People can turn an icebreaker and still use it as an opportunity to start throwing spears. That can yeah. happen. And so given that for out. some families, you know, if we're bringing everyone together, they may have been flying in from other parts of the world or they may be coming from across the country. Um, I would imagine even just personal updates, like what's been go going on in your life for the last six months. For some families, they don't even know that about each other. So right. that would be good. So right. the idea being that the first uh, item on an agenda will be something where everybody talks. Exactly. And it has a positive tone and it's sharing some vulnerability perhaps. Yeah, it can and, be. And everybody's listening to the person that's 
speaking and sharing. Yeah, the main takeaway is it's an opportunity to learn how to practice listening Beautiful. to each other. Because what we want in the meeting is to learn how to listen to each other and how to take turns. Um, what else might be on that first agenda? Yeah, and so the next thing you want to, there might be another area that's what I call like a soft touch area. So when you're setting your first family agenda, a nice way, I, I'll, I call it the baseball rule. You kind of, If you're going to put five items on there, you kind of want a couple of lob balls. It's important, right? We want to get out there. Here and come the sports analogies. <laughs> hey, no, but you want you want a couple of lob balls on there. You just want to be able to say, you know what? Hey, this. Hey, I was really nervous about this family meeting, but it's kind of easy. This is all right. So a couple right. of lob balls. I think you need a fastball on there. Something that kind of forces us to be focused, but isn't going to kind of throw us for a curve. And then, of course, it's nice to have a curveball on there because that gives us the practice of like, wow, that was that was a topic that our family couldn't discuss healthily or properly for the last 12 years or the last three years. Right. And we just made it through that meeting and we discussed it. So let's, let's go back to those. So softball. Yeah. What would be an example of that? The icebreaker. So an icebreaker is an an example of that. I know I've done something with families that I work with where I bring in something sentimental. So, and my own family, um, you know, my family immigrated and um, to Canada, we've got this cool immigration story. And so in our first meeting, I, uh, actually used it as an opportunity to really talk about um, my father's 50th anniversary in Canada. Like from oh, Robin, beautiful. Egypt. And we as the children had come together to get a gift for him. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room as we shared what it meant to us, you know, to see the sacrifices that my father had done over 50 beautiful. years of giving his life and, and my mother. And so it just set the tone of like, wow, we're a family and right. we're close. And that's what this is really about. Right. And I've had other families where I say, hey, why don't you tell us a little bit, tell us a fun story about your family business history that the kids don't know. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, the dad or the mom gets a chance to share a story. So what about communication? So we've talked about how, you know, um, families have these informal communication patterns that may or may not be terribly effective. We're bringing them together. We're going to be sharing and being vulnerable. Then we're maybe going to be putting a curveball into this meeting. Don't we need to do something about communication? You do. So what you kind of want to delve into next is what, and I know this sounds very formal, but it works. It's some, some sort of code of conduct. What you want to do is you want to ask yourselves, and again, you can either do this with a facilitator, which again is a helpful dynamic, but you have to have the right person and you got to be ready for it, or you can do this on your own, but you come up with a code of conduct. You basically say- What does that mean? Yeah, it's a set of of rules or guiding principles is probably a better way of how you're going to govern yourself. So think about what we chatted about Govern, last time. that sounds very formal so for a family. Super formal, but no, but well, we're all being governed by, by something in some way, shape, or form. It's just sometimes those principles aren't, aren't so ideal. So, so think about it this way. Um, we're a family. We've been a family for a long time, and we have a set of communication patterns. We're clearly, uh, you know, we've, we've now progressed to the point where we say they were, they were suboptimal. We want to improve upon them. So let's look at ways in which our family communicates well. And what you do there is you say, what do we want to achieve in this meeting? We want to make sure that everyone feels engaged. We want to make sure that we cover a good solid amount of ground. And we want to make sure that everyone wants to come back for another meeting. Right. If we can accomplish, no, seriously though, but if we can, if we can accomplish that in the first meeting, it's successful. If the net result of the first meeting is nothing more than, Hey, let's do this again. That's a great success. Celebrate that. Right. And so you ask yourselves how to communicate and you look at the patterns that you have in your family and you hedge your bet against them. So no shock. Um, uh, I'm a bit of a talkaholic. I'm a chatty Cathy. I, I like the sound of my own voice. And so one of the rules we put in in my family was no one person could speak more than I think it was two or three minutes. Right. And that prevented someone from monopolizing the conversation or dominating. And in fact, we, I even came in with a stopwatch 
And I now do this with other families that I work with. I say, here's a stopwatch and I make someone a timekeeper. And it's great. And everyone buys in. Right. Right. So you mentioned about not leaving the room. Right. And so another one is, you know, what do you do if you're upset? Right. Like, and that happens, things are going to upset you. So it's like, okay, well, let's chat about that. Are people allowed to be upset? And most families and will agree. I think it's totally fair to get upset. You're going to talk about things that may upset you. Okay. If you need a break, just ask for one. Right. Right. Like going back to what Mike McGran had said, this idea of your capacity for success is based on your, your willingness to stay in the room. That's okay. If you're upset, take a break. We'll come back. Right. We don't have to solve every single problem. I think that's a really good idea because I think when people get upset, they can have a tendency to say things that they don't maybe mean or behave in ways that aren't necessarily conducive to wanting everyone to come back and have another meeting. So basically what you're saying is have something in your code of conduct that would say if a family member gets upset, it's up to them to let others know that they need a 10, 15 minute break, but we all agree to come back into the room. Love it. Right. You also mentioned no technology, not no one talking or dominating the meeting. Well, so dominating and, and part of that is don't talk over each other. Yeah. That's a hard one for families because we all do it. And we've been doing it since we were kids at the day. My, my kids do it to my kids do it to me for heaven's sakes, but they do it to each other all right. the time. I do it to my siblings. My siblings do it to me. I do it to my parents. Every family that I work with does it. It's, I think it's a pretty natural thing, but you want to try to say, okay, let's, let's do our best to not do it. Another big one that is really key is staying on topic. And so how you address that is you create a parking lot and a parking lot is simply a list, a spot at which you park topics that have come up that are important, relevant, but ones that you're not going to address that day. Oh, I love that. So if somebody says something that's important to them, but it's maybe not on the agenda, it's not that we're saying that's not important. Right. It's saying that's important. Yes. We're not going to talk about it today. We're going to park it. Yes. And really we'll come like back that. To it. So, so basically, Paul, what I think I've heard you say is that the family together defines what a good meeting looks like, what they're trying to achieve, even if it's just come back for a second meeting. That's right. And then they're sort of exploring what are the behaviors that are going to help us achieve that, totally. that we need to agree to, all of us agree to and abide by so that we can have the best possible chance of a productive meeting that deals with maybe some curveballs, some difficult topics, and ultimately we'll all come back for a second meeting. Totally. And I think if there were two other big keys to take away, um, they would be this. Don't have any surprises at the family meeting. It's not a surprise. Yeah, families do not do well. No, do not do that. Do not. This is not when you're asked at the outset of things you want to put on the agenda. Be honest. Be transparent. If there is something that you you've got a truth bomb that you want to deliver and you hadn't prepared anyone for it, uh, think think about that. They're probably not going to come back to the next meeting. (laughs) And the last one is as you think about this, really the goal in your first one and and maybe even your second one and fourth one is is spend a lot of time working on your process. Become very good at communicating under this in this forum. Because if you build a great process, again, if you learn how to mountain climb well, you'll be able to get the content. You'll be able to delve into the deep areas. But if you just try to summit Everest on your first go without the prep, it'll hurt. And you may not get another chance at it. And I guess that brings us to the close um, of our podcast, but also to how you would close a family meeting. So you've set the agenda in advance. You've sent it out. You've you've created some vulnerability through an icebreaker. You've created a your first family policy, the code of conduct. You've maybe had an agenda item that everybody has agreed is important to talk about. Now we're at the close of the meeting. Any tips on how to bring a family meeting to a good close? Yeah, sure. Uh, not surprisingly, go around the room and ask everyone what their thoughts are. 
it's really simple. What did you like about this meeting? Right. What did you not like about this meeting? What can we do to improve? Is there something we want to add to our code of conduct, change, delete from our code of conduct? Okay. When what worked well? What yeah. didn't work well? Can right. everyone think about it? Okay. I like to record minutes and then say, okay, we're going to send those out so everyone can have a review of it so that we make sure if you have some action items. But ultimately what you want to do there is say, like, get some feedback on your meeting. Get instant feedback on how it went so that you get buy-in from everyone on how to improve it going forward. Oh, I really like that. One of the tools that I have heard of, which I like, is even better if. This meeting would have been even better if. Right. And you go around the room. Right. And and I guess what that does is it it creates a mindset of continuous improvement. We want our family meetings to continuously improve. Right. And everyone feels like, okay, this is great. Like, my opinion was valued and it mattered. And I know this sounds very kumbaya-ish and we're chatting with a bunch of um, business families or wealthy families and we think, well, we're just not wired that way. But but the reality is most of us are, and it works. It's effective. People actually want to opine. People want to be heard. And we all want buy-in from everyone in the family. So get that feedback at the meeting and set the date for the next meeting. Just say, okay, when are we going to come back? And formality is your friend, not your dictator, right? I like that. So it's a sort of companion to you, but bring that formality so that you can address some of the less helpful patterns in your family and, and create right. an environment that's optimal. Yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't, we, we're running out of time to chat about this, but you're talking about a family. Never forget that you're a family first, right? Like, yes, formality is your friend. Yes. We've put in these protocols. Yes. We've created some of these logistical and practical tools, but at the end of the day, you're a family. You know, you guys have a bond that will keep you together forever. Whether you're talking or not, you're always a family. And so if you're a family traveling in or if you're a family who doesn't see each other in this setting, add some fun to it. Do it in a nice setting. Go and grab a meal afterward together. You know, add a fun component. Whatever the case may be, recognize that you're a family and you're not just arm's length. Beautiful. I can't think of a nicer way to close this than this is about family. And family is really one of the most important things in most of our lives. So thank you so much, Paul. Really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Ruth Steverlink and Paul Atia offering pointers on running a productive family meeting. I want to thank Ruth and Paul for joining us on The Wealth Experience. I also want to thank all of you for listening. If you've discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your BMO Relationship Manager. You can find additional resources for this episode at www.bemo.com slash the wealth experience. For more about Ruth, visit www.yourfamilyenterprise.com. For more about Paul, visit www.papaalpha.ca. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to us on your preferred streaming platform. And don't forget to share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. If you have feedback on this content or suggestions for future episodes, email us at thewealthexperience at bemo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy your wealth experience. You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 